for over 20 years. It's been all about survival. Welcome to the Survivor Series. Tonight, the tradition continues. the match we get the fourth most over person on the roster which is the anonymous rule general manager did it turn out to be hornswoggle yes so hornswoggle is the son of vince mcmahon yes and also the rule general manager the son of vince mcmahon the adopted son of finley the anonymous yeah. rule general manager the keeper of a secret magical universe under the ring i mean the guy's all over the yeah. place he's multi-talented yeah. the current reigning cruiserweight champion yes of course. What a career. What yeah. a career that man's had.
This is the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler, and today we continue our trio of Survivor Series episodes by taking in the 2010 edition of the event. And I am joined by two of the best analysts in the business today, although, as one of them said last week, two feathers don't make something not shit. Firstly, we have the gentleman who coined that phrase, one old man Sam Carey, who this week hasn't run a marathon in the weekend prior to the show, so should be on top form today. Old man, how are you? Am I? You know what? I'm on middling form. So this is, uh, as we've said a couple of times, we record a couple of weeks in advance. So the clocks have just gone back. And this always messes with me head a little bit. I'm all right now, but I'll be honest, if we were doing this at three o'clock this afternoon, it'd have been a dribbling mess. It's interesting because surely three o'clock this afternoon would just be four o'clock this afternoon well, to your that's body. That's it. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's currently 6.38 in the evening, so the listener will soon find out if at 8 o'clock it hits me hard, mm. because they might just hear a man fall to the floor and shit himself continuously. <laughs> and how are you feeling one week on from the phrase, two feathers don't make something not shit? Have you not heard? No. It's been added to the, uh, to the thesaurus. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thesaurus. Yeah, I know that. Well, I don't think that's what a thesaurus does, old man. <laughs> it bloody does, mate. Because <laughs> I, I phoned them earlier and they said, we've added it in, mate. And I said, cheers, lads. Bye. <laughs> OK, we also have Tom Smith, who has been sleep deprived ever since baby Shinsuke Nakamura Smith came into the world a few months back. Other names in contention were two called Scorpio Smith, Hunter Hearst Helmsley Smith and my personal favourite, Erwin R. Scheister Smith. Tom How's it going? You also forgot another personal preference of mine, which was David Boy Smith Smith, which was <laughs> very high, very highly considered. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. That's a good thing. I, I always find that um, the clocks going back or forwards always kind of mess with me, even though it is only one hour. It always did throw me. But when you are constantly tired, it's absolutely fine. It makes no difference to me whatsoever. No? That's the one good thing about having kids. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, the one good thing about having kids <laughs> is that you already feel shit anyway, so it doesn't matter that you lose an hour or add an hour of sleep. Bang. Wow. Amazing. All the joys of parenthood coming out now. I'm going to retract that. It's the best thing about having kids. There we go. (laughs) No, no, it's on record. The only good thing (laughs) about having kids. Now, as usual, we are asking for your company over on our social media locations at UK on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And also to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so, which I know sounds a bit strange given, you know, we're actually on the podcast. But apparently some people listen without subscribing, which seems mad to me because it's so much easier to keep up if you do i reckon listening without subscribing would have been a mid 90s early 2000s indie band name let's try to be cool i don't know would they have understood that concept though in the mid 90s that's a fair point well made (laughs) but i stand by it i'm not retracting statements like tommy was how about reading without subscribing oh that's lovely just like what just popping in every now and then to get a copy of the tv times yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or, 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 or Razzle or something. Or a second hand copy of Parade. (laughs) (laughs) We are covering today Survivor Series 2010, and uh, we get your thoughts on your expectations for the show. And Tom, when we were talking off air a couple of weeks ago, you were looking through our schedule and said that this was the one episode you weren't too happy about. Care to explain? Well, yeah, I know it's not going to be very good. (laughs) Is is my is my expectation? Yeah, I I I think about the the roster. Then it's not a roster that I'm a big fan 
fan of at all. It was a period where I was probably I was probably watching it somewhat regularly and not enjoying it at all at, in the slightest as well because there's a lot of people and I've actually do you know what? I was going to save this right Seamus Alberto Del Rio pre New Day Kofi Cody Rhodes Dean Ambrose Dolph Ziggler Jack Swagger Ryback and Babyface John Morrison. If any of them are on a pay per view, it immediately goes down in my estimation. <laughs> I'm not interested in watching it. Oh, and guess what happens on this pay-per-view? A shitload of um, them are on it. Loads of them. And I'm not going to lie, more get added to the list incrementally as we go on as well. So that was just <laughs> what came off the top of my head during a match that I was particularly bored watching. Um, So I just, I was like, do you know what? I'm not up for this. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> what a start. Oh, man. Were you in the same mindset? So obviously this was after we'd gone to WrestleMania 26. And I realised this, like I've said numerous times, my timeline's all over the shop. Ain't got a clue what's going on, to be honest. That's what happens when we put the clocks back, see? (laughs) Bloody is, mate. What year is it? Who am I? Are those my feet? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I um, went in before I even went onto the network. I was like, you know what? I'll go in positively. Yeah, we'll do that. And then I realised that this was Nexus phase. And this was, from my memory, after they'd ruined it so completely that I'd had to stop watching everything. Because we're obviously, we'd lost Michaels. Uh, I oddly remembered that Undertaker was gone at this point because he'd just been buried alive. And Batista wasn't around. And I was like, is it just going to be a load of hammocks having uh, some wrestling matches? Because there's going to be no one on the card. But I didn't think that was going to happen. I wasn't quite, this is shit, fuck life, or whatever Tom said. (laughs) But I was quite, this might be a rough ride, but you know what? For the listener. For the listener. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, I didn't have a single clue. I have a single fucking clue what to expect. The only thing I thought was, it's probably going to have John Cena. It's probably going to have Randy Orton. And for some reason, I genuinely did think it's probably going to have Wade Barrett at some point during the show. And then turns out they're all in the same fucking match in the main event. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know what else is going to be on the show. So it was a lovely little mystery box as we've had before. I was like, I have no idea. No idea what's going to be on this. And also I was like, well, there's going to be some random Survivor Series teams, I'm sure, put together. We might get three or four Survivor Series matches. Who knows what we're going to get? So, yeah, I was kind of interested, but also not really sure at all what it was that we were going to get. That's how I was very much feeling going into this show. It kind of like when you go to the toilet, but you're not really sure if a shit's ready. You don't know how it's going to go, but your bowels will be empty. No, so I know I know exactly how this is going to go. It's going to be unpleasant, and it's going to take me a lot of time to clean up afterwards. <laughs> and and it's, this is hammered home, sorry, Tinky, by the fact that the commentary team is Heel Michael Cole, Jerry Lauder, and Matt Stryker. Mm-hmm. So you know you're in for a rough two hours and 45 minutes. Then you've got fucking the gormless fucking prick, Josh Matthews, doing all the interviews. And I'm just watching this, and I'm like, oh, my God, it, literally everything about the way this is presented to me is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what uh, Tom's going to make of this show at all. I'm really, really interested to see how he feels about it. Before we get into the show itself, I want to say some stuff about the WWE Network, because every single week when I edit this show, okay, I put on the front of the episode, the introduction 
to the event that takes place. You'll hear the audio of the show. And when I watch the shows to, to actually kind of just watch them, I cast them onto my television. Then when I do the recording of the episode, I do the edit, I record the audio off of the network on my laptop. And on my laptop, for some reason, it always gives me subtitles. Don't know why, but I don't turn them off because there's no need. I don't, I'm not watching it for watching it. I'm just tr- trying to get the audio. And a couple of things have come up, which I find quite interesting. So first of all, every time anybody says World Wrestling Federation, it's subtitled World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, lovely. Somebody's taking the time to to change the word <laughs> federation to entertainment every single time. Also, a couple of weeks back when we did our um, Halloween Havoc 98 episode, you know, Hogan was fascinated with saying NWOites over and over again. <laughs> yeah. um, it's translated as NWO elites every single time he says it. And he says it about seven or eight times during that promo. Mm. And every single time he says it, NWO elites. The um, I was thinking the, the federation entertainment thing, can't we, it's probably just a find and replace. Tool, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. And pro- pro- maybe NWO Heights is the same with NWO Elite. Mm. I don't know. Then the weirdest thing on the WWE Network. Now, you can make of this what you will. I put it down to just someone having a brain fart. But it's a particularly unfortunate brain fart. During Survivor Series 1994, which we covered last week, you know they've got the chapters of mm. what's going on mm. in the show. It's got Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund. And then the next chapter is Owen begs Martha to throw in the towel. And obviously they mean Owen begs Helen to throw in mm. the towel. But for some reason, someone has just, I guess, put a couple of names together and written mm. Martha in instead of Helen. And I was a bit like, someone ought to change that. Because I don't imagine... Yeah. They didn't... Obviously, Martha in particular is extremely um, outspoken about the WWE and doesn't want anything mm. to do with it. So, yeah, I just... I noticed it and I thought someone ought to change that but it's just weird these these things come up on the WWE network and because i'm kind of just recording audio of stuff that i've already watched very recently i'm paying attention to other things and that that was what i saw with the martha thing i reckon someone had just watched batman versus superman dawn of justice and been like martha martha ah fuck's sake anyway i've got to go back to work now and put these subtitles on survivor series 94 and just ended up writing martha i expect that's probably what happened yeah or they just been listening to martha Reza and the vandellies vandellas vandella well i'm them (laughs) or nelson nelson vandella (laughs) is that how we're talking about that's right yeah big guy big nelson so yeah, that was a that was an odd one. Uh, anyway, hmm. so just thought I'd sort of talk about them. So yeah, the show itself. Sorry, let's get into Survivor Series 2010. To, to be fair, I think given Tom's attitude coming in, I think that's probably the best part of the show that we've just done. Because <laughs> it, it's just going to be Tom going, "Fuck off, all of you, fuck <laughs> off, get off my land." Certainly sounds that way. So we start with an open opening video package, which entirely focuses on John Cena and his um, desire to be free from the Nexus. Who, by the way, I don't know if either of you know, I, I, it might be his dad, but it didn't it didn't come across to me. There's an old guy in this package who tells John Cena not to spit in the face of the WWE champions of the past. But I couldn't make out who it was. And I was like, is it John Cena's dad? I've never seen John Cena's dad, I don't think, even though he has been involved, I believe, on WWE television a number of times. Yeah, did the Miz punch him once or something like that? Possibly. I didn't know who it was. But anyway, there's an old guy telling John Cena not to spit in the face of the past WWE champions. Weird one. Ron Ron Cena, I believe his name was. I know Piper's in this little bit, isn't he? Oh, maybe it was Piper. Oh, yeah, because he's right up close to him. He looks like he's going to get off with his ear. 
but you don't. He just, <laughs> he just, he just says that. Piper is n- notorious for getting off of people's ears. So in fairness, you know. I tell you what, mate, you, you, you can't speak ill of the dead like that. So anyway, whilst this is going on, there's some terrible soft rock slash country tune <laughs> playing over the top. <laughs> it's quite long. It's all centered on Cena. And then we're in the show <laughs> itself, where, as you said, we're confronted by the commentary team of Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler and Matt Stryker. I think I'm just going to ride uh, Tom's mood for as long as I possibly can. Oh, for this show. Can I just say about the commentators? They're so bad that they forget to introduce themselves. Like Michael Cole does the open and then I think um, some cunt comes out for the first match and then they're like, oh yeah, this is Michael Cole, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, back to the uh, video package. You know what this gave me? This gave me big Judgment Day 1998 vibes. Mm. And that didn't end well. <laughs> I was, I, I was, uh, I'll be honest, I was struggling here. There's another big Judgment Day vibes crossover in here for me as well. And we'll come to that match when we get to it. But yeah, nothing, there's nothing quite like a main angle being built around a guest referee. <laughs> well, as we found, as you said, with Judgment Day in your house a few uh, years, a few years, a few weeks ago, I uh, felt like a few years ago after watching this show. And yeah, it is incredibly familiar to mm. um, us, given that it's effectively the same stipulation as we had during that show. And honestly, when I scheduled these shows, I had no idea that they had a very similar vibe. Oh man, what are you doing? You keep bump, bouncing up and down. What's going on there? Oh, I'm, I'm stood up at a standing desk. Right. So yeah, just moving my legs. Basically, my legs fidget when I'm sat down, but you can't normally see them. It was that week that you really wanted to see my crotch while we were recording. So what, you obviously ev- saw my legs moving around, didn't you? What, every single week? Well, yeah, but that, that, that was the one week that I actually agreed. He's uh, he's really, uh, really, like, usually quite stationary, his old man, but underneath the desk, he's like Michael Flatley, isn't he? <laughs> we are from, coming from America Airlines Arena in Miami, Florida. I don't know why that felt i felt the need to put that in there only to say that the the fans in the american airlines arena in miami florida don't appear to have brought their voices with them um because they are pretty you can fucking blame them like, <laughs> you know I mean? fuck me we'll get into this later on but my god there's one match where i genuinely i genuinely think that you could hear someone in the crowd have a little fight you know if someone had a little itch in their ass and they need to do a big 40 fight to get that itch out you'd have heard it on this because they're so quiet there's also a bit where, so they, my, uh, Michael Cole, he says it, but WWE obviously do this thing where they show some video footage of the city there in lovely. It's about, must be about two thirds of the way into the show. And Michael Cole just says over the thing, and we're having one heck of a party in exactly that tone. And I was like, <laughs> even he's gone, even he's gone. Yes. I, I was going to ask you this. So again, this this might be better, for, more pertinent for the end of the show. But the people... When you're on this pay-per-view, did they know a shit? We definitely should Lost. hold that back for the end because we don't know that it's shit yet, Tom. We haven't <laughs> okay. watched any of the matches. I know that you are absolutely down on it from the very get-go, but we don't know that it's shit just yet. We may find out later on that it is shit. In fact, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we're going to, but we don't know yet. I keep burying the lead, don't I? I'm learning to not do that. No, 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 you're doing the opposite of burying the lead. You're bringing it right front and centre. Oh, I'm, I'm digging up the lead, then. <laughs> yeah. So... Our opening match is Daniel Bryan versus Ted DiBiase Jr. I call him Ted DiBiase Jr. because you can't call him Ted DiBiase because that's somebody else. 
The Before we get the match, we see a video of Ted DiBiase Jr. attacking Daniel Bryan on old school rule, which I'd rather quite like to watch just to see kind of the old referee shirts that they had with the old uh, bow ties. And they've got the old WWE logo as well, which is lovely without the F, obviously, because, you know, they're not allowed to. Although Ted DiBiase Jr. is wearing a WWF T-shirt. He is. With the old logo with the F on it. Hmm. Well, maybe and they are allowed the old logo then. I think they Beautiful. are allowed the old logo. It's a scratchy one that they're definitely not, definitely not allowed. But what they usually do is just take the F off the end anyway. So it's just like a WW yeah. in the old style. But his yeah. one definitely had an F on it. Mm. It's weird then that they have to do this with the subtitles and remove Federation yeah. from the subtitles. <laughs> Isn't it such a fucking weird thing? <laughs> They've got this kind of whole thing where sometimes they, they blur out. We've heard them where they go WW and then they, they've like muted it so that you don't hear mm. the F. But it's so inconsistent, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not like if it, if it was like every time someone says WWF, you have to get rid of the F. That's absolutely fine. But it just seems to be like when people can be bothered. <laughs> I wonder if there was. I wonder if they had to like they they said they had to do it and they just sent off a bunch of clips to the World Wrestling World Wrestling World Wildlife Fund. And we're like, there you go, we've done it. And they're like, yeah, all right, fine. We're not going to check, so we don't really care. So the opening match, as I say, Daniel Bryan versus Ted DiBiase Jr. It's for the United States title, which Daniel Bryan currently holds. And um, I haven't got any of my notes in front of me, so give me a second. I, I can cover it. Not very good. <laughs> Hang on. And it, goes, <laughs> and it goes just under 10 minutes. It ends when Bryan wins with the LaBelle lock after countering a DiBiase schoolboy cover. Oh, man, what did you think of this match? Well, Ted DiBiase Jr. has... I come this, from money! To this point, the worst music <laughs> I can ever remember hearing. And I'll tell you what I thought. Right? When he's walking out, I was like, he had no chance. With this music, you're fucking him. Um, Daniel Bryan comes out, obviously, flight of the Valkyries. Michael Cole, this is the first, like, inkling of Hill Cole. With his nerd music, Daniel Bryan's coming out. He's like, oh. And then uh, old Matty Strikes goes, oh, Flight of the Valkyries is a great piece of music. And then I'm like, oh, this commentary team is going to do my head in. <laughs> but then there's a little suplex by Edward but to Daniel. So Edward's on the ring apron. There's an outside the ring, which looks horrible. And I was like, you know what? They might turn this up to 11, these lads. As it turns out, they probably get to a three and then think we've gone too far here, boys. We're going to have to we have to bring this back to a one because it's just not very good at all. Effectively, nothing happens. And my note is that it's absolutely adequate. And I think I'm overselling it, to be honest, because this was just really not just nothing. They don't have any chemistry. There's no heat. I don't know why they're fighting. I don't really like mid-card Daniel Bryan because I don't think he's very good. Obviously, he's not been with back with the company that long at this point, but he doesn't seem particularly good. And yes, the best thing about it was I looked in the crowd at one point and there's two girls next to each other, young girls, and they've got the you-can't-see-me foam hands. And th- hmm. that was the best bit. Tom, did you see the uh, you-can't-see-me foam hands? And was that no. your highlight as well? No, I couldn't see them. <laughs> um, I, fuck. So no, the highlight if, if, of my if this if this perfectly as old man put it adequate opener <laughs> is tripping you up so much I I can't imagine what we're gonna get later on. <laughs> so so I mean the the biggest the first thing 
Does Michael Cole keep going on about Maurice's dress? Who accompanies oh, Teddy Bears to the ring? He won't stop going on about a Versace dress. And he just won't, he won't shove about it. And I'm like, all right, mate, we get the idea. You're a heel. You're a heel and you want to stick up for the heels. But my God, fucking wind it, wind your neck in. The lights go out randomly for some reason, which I'm assuming is only a fault, but it was quite amazing, quite amusing. And I did write in this. Is it fair to say that WWE forced Daniel Bryan into a personality? Because he's fine. He's, he's obviously very good in the ring at this point, but there's absolutely nothing to him. And, and like you said, old man, he hasn't long come back. But it was one of those things I was like, do you know what? They did drop a bollock a couple of times with Daniel Bryan as well. But overall, we had a very good run in WF, culminating in one of the great storylines for me, or the great moments, should I say. But I'm just watching this and I'm just like, ugh. I don't care. I don't care. It's Ted DiBiase Jr. Why? Why? What's the point in him? Why is this? And I don't like the fact that this finisher is called Dream Street. Stupid name. Absolutely stupid. I get it because he starts off with a million dollar dream, but don't do that. Don't call it that. But there is one bit that I did quite enjoy, Tinky. And it's a move that uh, a move that reminded me of a certain goat. And that's the old uh, the Bret Hart reversal of the million dollar dream into a pinfall, which I, which I enjoyed. I also find it interesting that a uh, match striker called Daniel Bryan, the master of the small package. I don't know, <laughs> it's two things. I don't think he's known for having, you know, doing that loads. Cause I'm not aware of it. And has he got a little dick? <laughs> the master of the small package. That yeah. is not a very good nickname to have, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> it's really not. I mean, even if you don't know wrestling, you're like, hmm, don't know if I want to be known as that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this wasn't very good. I didn't really didn't really care for this match i mean i i i think old man did some at best even though he kind of backed off from it when he said it which was it is very adequate it is very adequate it's fine it's not a bad match it's just nothing it's just nothing to it it is a it's the definition for me of a match that is just there to form part of an undercard you're not supposed to get excited about it you're not supposed to remember it you're not supposed to gain any huge value from it it's just there to fill up time on the card, and it's perfectly adequate. There are some good moments. As you said, old man, the suplex, the sort of release vertical suplex off of the apron to Daniel Bryan down to the to the floor below. The mental-looking standing back suplex off the top rope, which I don't think I've seen before, when he's actually, Daniel Bryan stood on the top rope mm. and does the back suplex on Ted DiBiase. You see them do it from the second rope or sat on with the person sat on the second rope. On the top rope, sorry, but you never see the person who does it standing on the top rope, which was really a bit mad. Um, and yes, as you said, the uh, the million dollar dream into a pinfall thing, which obviously was very reminiscent of Bret Hart at both Survivor Series '96, and I get I know it's a slightly different move, but the WrestleMania eight with Roddy Piper too. It was it was perfectly <laughs> adequate. It just yeah, it wasn't much of anything. I don't really care much for Ted DiBiase Jr. either. I don't think he's much of anything. I also think on Daniel Bryan, I think WWE were telling him to not be particularly charismatic at the time. I think that was the idea, is he was supposed to not be charismatic. That was the sort of thing behind his character and the way they got away with doing what they were doing with Cole. And that's the thing about Cole's heel commentary, is there only seems to be on specific matches or towards specific wrestlers and Daniel Bryan in particular was singled out for this which looking back at it now 
I'm I'm still kind of torn between whether or not I think it was a thing that helped Brian or hindered him. Because on the one hand, you could say, well, it's Michael Cole. No one likes Michael Cole. He's not very he's not very credible. So if you've got him slagging someone off, then it might help them. But on the other hand, I don't think that the majority of your audience watches that way. And therefore, all you're doing is, in their eyes, making him look a bit shit. So I, I can't decide whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing for him. Um, after the match, of course, the Miz then comes out and hits Brian with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Don't forget the instantly forgettable Alex Riley as well. That's right, he's there. I did, I forgot him. I actually genuinely did forget. <laughs> yeah, him. me too. With him. So yes, he he's with Alex Riley now. This obviously was kind of followed on from a feud that they had had, which had followed on from the NXT, the first series of NXT, and. I, I think I've said this on the on the podcast before, but I always thought that he and Daniel Bryan, the Miz and Daniel Bryan, could have been the Triple H and the Rock to each other, if you see what I mean. Like kind of their careers built together. They had multiple feuds against one another at different levels of the card. And mm. I always thought that they Daniel Bryan and the Miz could do something akin to that, mm. which is where they start off in the mid card and then slowly build the, the way up to the main event. And seeing as they both ended up being main event talents, it, it could very well have happened. And I guess they kind of retained that over time. They had that thing on Talking Smack a few years back as well, didn't they? Which kind of drew back on that original feud. But uh, didn't I don't think they ever really made the most of it. But um, yeah, so the Miz comes out to cut a little promo and he says that First of all, he's talking about Nexus, and this is very, very confusing because the Miz obviously is a heel, and he's talking about the Nexus, which are heels as well. Although they were trying to other the Nexus, as if they were kind of this, this other thing that no one was supposed to like. He called them like Miami Heat, mediocre, and compares LeBron James to Wade Barrett, which I would have thought is a compliment. But I what yeah. do I know? I don't know anything about basketball. Well, no, no, you, you definitely have that. Do you know what mm. I mean? You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll have him that. Like, if he was like, oh, he's like Jared Dudley. He was like this journeyman player who now plays for the Lakers and got a ring last year because of his association with the Lakers. You'd be like, yeah, all right then, that's fair enough. But just, you know, you know, you know, he's he's like arguably the best basketball player of all time. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. He really haven't really he's, he hasn't done anything for me there at all. <laughs> well, the the thing is as well is that it's very insider because. The Miz is from Cleveland, and LeBron has left the Cleveland Cavaliers quite controversially to go to the Miami Heat, effectively to win a title. But yeah, the comparison is like he goes on about LeBron so bloody much. I like I I don't care. I don't care about LeBron. It's like heat seeking works for the first couple of minutes, and then he keeps going on about LeBron, and even the crowd are like, "Oh, shut up!" <laughs> Who is this boring? It's bloody Ted DiBiase Jr. Miami heat seeking. Lovely. He says he's tired of carrying around his briefcase and it's now a matter of when, not if, he cashes in the briefcase. Well, of course it is. You're always uh, going to cash in. That's that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's always a matter of, of when, not if. You're not going to say, you know what, don't fancy it, fuck it, I'll get rid of the thing. You know the best thing about this promo segment is? Well, there's two, actually. So you get Miz is wearing a Hello, I'm Awesome t-shirt great t-shirt and just after he finishes this promo they cut to the commentators for them to go to the package for the next match and Matt Stryker is sat so close to Michael Cole it's (laughs) uncomfortable like you could barely put a piece of paper between them I don't think he's like leaning in like he's to be honest a bit like he's trying to give a man job in the cinema on the background maybe maybe he is maybe yeah maybe 
I, I wonder whether this was another WWEism, which is basically they want their commentators to lean in together so that they're closer in, and it just if it, it looks, I don't know, like weird. <laughs> yeah, weird. Well, everything <laughs> yeah. else they do looks fucking weird, doesn't it? So why not? So then we get footage of Sheamus taking out Santina Morella and Vladimir Kozlov um, on a, one of the TV shows. Don't really know why. They just suggest he's a bully. Um, and then John Morrison makes the save. Uh, Sheamus then delivers a brogue kick backstage to Morrison as he's talking to Aaron Anderson and someone else that I can't remember now. <laughs> uh, uh, it's Gerald Briscoe. That's it. Yes, that's right. Then we get a backstage interview by, as you said, Tom, Josh Matthews, who um, asks Seamus about whether or not he's a bully or something. Seamus says that John Morrison is just jealous of him being a former and future WWE champion. Then he says he will break Morrison's will. He won't be flushing his head down the toilet or anything like that. <laughs> so he's broken my will. I wrote, Seamus cuts a boring promo about John Morrison. Josh Matthews stands there with his stupid face. <laughs> <laughs> his stupid face. I tell you what, though. And you know what I mean, though, don't you? You know what I mean? <laughs> in fairness to Seamus, he ain't wrong. Because he says at one point, he's like, John Morrison will never be champ. True. Yeah. And that, well, there's still time, but it's highly unlikely. And it was always going to be unlikely. It yes. seems a stupid line, to be honest. So the match itself is between John Morrison and Seamus and is won after 11 minutes when John Morrison wins with a running knee strike to take the pin at a slightly odd moment, which comes mm. after a decent little sequence. Um, overall, they've written that this is relatively one paced and features mainly Michael Cole talking about John Morrison's parkour offense. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. That's what I've got. Parkour, parkour, parkour. You parkour style. He's got this parkour style. Fuck off. Fuck the fuck off. It reminded me of that op- the cold open of the of the episode of the American Office when they're when they're going parkour, parkour, and Ed Helms <laughs> ends up jumping into a into a refrigerator box. <laughs> which is tremendous. The notes I take are in a in a black book. And obviously a lot of people say where well, they've got a little black book, it's got all their kind of contacts, all their sexual contacts that they've had over the years. Mm. Mine, mine just has buttons to push of toms whilst watching shows from the <laughs> 2010s and it's just got full of, listed full of them <laughs> it's awful this match is so shit and and this is when i created my you know what in my list i gave you <laughs> yeah. that was this was during this match and obviously these are two of them and oh god it's just i said i can't even bring myself to be remotely interested in this match i really really struggled with it i was just like I don't care about either of those two. The best thing about it is that there's someone with a sign that says, even in Miami, Seamus can't get a tan, which yes. I like. Um, but it is bad, and the, the the commentary is awful. And like you said, it's just Michael Cole screaming parkour for seven minutes or whatever it is. It just wasn't very good. The only good thing about it was from John Marston at the end of the match as he's walking back up the ramp, and he's still selling his knee because evidently his knee got hurt during the match. But other than that, I was like, nah, nah. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm not gonna be very. I'm not gonna be very good in this podcast or anything. But <laughs> what's annoying, and you touched on it, Tinky. So this is incredibly one piece. It's very, very dull. I must say, like I don't really quite know what they were achieving until you get to the finish. But they have a little sequence, probably last thirty seconds, where I'm like, finally, there's a bit of pace. There's a bit of not just, I wouldn't say it's lacking in intensity because Seamus is giving old Moza a good old beating, beating him like he stole his car. Is that a phrase? Probably. 
anyway yeah so he does well, that oh man don't forget two feathers don't make something not shit <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you what mate you find the antidote to that <laughs> <laughs> i think i've lost me mind lads <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we have a catapult spot here, which is Morrison on Sheamus, I believe. This spot, I meant to mention it in the first match, happens in the first match. So what are you doing, lads? Come on. Pay a bit of fucking attention. Have a bit of, have a bit of self-respect. Two has got self-respect in this match. That's the referee. Because he is pounding that mat for every count. I felt sorry for the mat. I think this is probably why I was out in the match, to be honest, that my sympathy had gone to the mat. And then I noticed it, and it, it was annoying me. <laughs> oh, God, it was annoying me, lads. So the set, up on the ramp, you've got this stupid little, like, looks like a cock with some round bollocks on the bottom, like, hanging from the ceiling. Then you've got, like, the normal Titantron, and then you've got the um, electric boards that they have. Sir, or series 2010. And in the middle is the entranceway and it's completely different to the rest of the set so it's black is the color of the pay-per-view effectively and these are red and silver light panels and it was doing my head in i wish i bloody told you about this because you're looking at me blank and you've not known <laughs> yeah. wish, I, wish i bloody told you about it while you were watching it oh doing my head in and i noticed that and then and they distracted I- me for 30 seconds can I ask about these these round bollocks? I mean, yeah, yeah. As, as opposed to square ones. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> I meant flat. So they've been right. mushed together. Like oh, it's one, one now cheese wheel shaped bollock. They basically look like Val Venus's did after Goldust did his uh, Shattered Dreams. Yes. Shattered Dreams, yeah. Yeah, but they probably did smell as delightful. This match is not very good. I think we've uh, we've covered that base. It felt, how long is it taking? It's uh, about 11 minutes, I think. I was going to say, when Tom said seven minutes, I was like, there's no way this was seven minutes. Yeah, this just not not very good. And then, like I said, you get the 30 seconds and then it finishes. And I'm a bit like, oh, I want some more of that parkour style. That's what I wanted. <laughs> some more of that parkour style. And I was so brainwashed by that that I went out and bought myself a parka, thinking that's what I was getting. Fuck myself, and I? you got a different kind of style with that one. Yeah. I would say, strangely for this show, that um, this was once again very adequate. <laughs> like, just <laughs> just really kind of... It, I, I don't... I give these guys, and I give WWE a pass for these first two matches, because I do think that they're just... They're not meant to do anything. They're just meant to fill time. They're just meant to give you some undercard with a couple of wrestlers that you might like, you might not like. But, you know, they're out there. They're doing their thing. It was fine, but it wasn't It wasn't meant to be remembered and it wasn't going to be remembered as soon as it finished. I can't forgive them. For well, that's fine. That's fine. Because you've got it made. It's a Survivor Series pay-per-view. Have some Survivor Series matches. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Is what, like, and I, the problem is, I think, I think I look back at this era particularly cruelly, if you will, because I know that nothing ever happens with any of them and nothing nothing interesting mm. will ever happen. Obviously, that's me watching it, you know, what, 12 years, down, 11 years, you know, down the line. So um, I'm looking back on it now, having watched so many matches involving these people and nothing ever of consequence really ever happening. So 
that's part of the reason why I'm so down on this era. I think. I, I, and you've said this before, Tom, and I, and I, I think, I think that it's not that nothing ever happens. It's just that, again, I think there's just more pay-per-views, and so you're mm. exposed to more wrestlers. And I think if you had the same in ninety one for example and there was 12 pay-per-views you'd get a lot of matches where there were lots of people yeah. who didn't go anywhere and didn't do anything uh, like for example in these first two matches as well let's not forget daniel bryan is one of the people in this match in in one of these matches and who went on to be you know one of the biggest stars in the industry for a time so it's not yeah. like he didn't do anything um and the miz goes on to headline the following years mm. wrestlemania and we've just had a thing with him so i think it's it's just maybe perception as opposed to actually this mm. is what happens i mean Miz goes on to headline the worst in wrestling, <laughs> probably arguably the worst. Still headline it. Still yeah. headline it. So and one uh, and one. Yes, one of the very few heels to have won the main event of WrestleMania doesn't often. happen often. One thing I wanted to mention here is uh, Sheamus and his hair because yeah. he's very very ginger. There is a WWE poster for one of their pay per views which has got just got yes. Sheamus' face on it, and I'm sure in the edit they have emphasized how ginger he is on that picture but here he looks just as ginger as he does in that picture and i thought i think they have him dye it to make it even more ginger you know especially at this time i because i was like it's just it is unnaturally ginger it's it's crazy it is i mean i wasn't going to mention that but i'm glad you did because it is very strange because he's so pale like he's almost gone to an anti-tanning booth Where they've they've bleached his skin, I think, because he does seem excessively pale mm. in this, and I think that's what emphasises his hair. Maybe it's the lighting. Maybe, maybe, maybe they do that. Maybe they do it for yeah. effect. Or, you know. or maybe we just never noticed it because he's always in such ripping matches with Christian. <laughs> there's nothing to worry about, is there? Can so, I agree um, with that? For anybody who wanted to know, it's Extreme Rules 2010. Is it? That's mm-hmm. going on the list for next year then. Right, so backstage, John Cena is pacing until our truth arrives and says he might have a solution for tonight's problem. Mm-hmm. So he says Nexus are banned from ringside, but he's not. He says that accidents happen, and if an accident should happen when he comes to the ring, so be it. <laughs> Cena, however, says that he can't allow that to happen as it wouldn't be he wouldn't be able to live with himself. He says he'll call tonight's match down the middle this is because because we haven't mentioned yet that john cena is the referee for the main event brand new and wade barrett and there is a stipulation which suggests that if john cena uh raises wade barrett's hand he'll be free of nexus but if he doesn't he will be fired because wade barrett somehow controls his contract now i'm a little bit confused with this first of all john cena is an absolute prick to our truth in this program yeah, he's a rude. real really rude to him real mean nasty piece of work horrible loser without respect he <laughs> <laughs> was honored by respect teacher but what it should have been <laughs> horrible loser with no respect <laughs> i'm catching <isn't> it <laughs> but um but i tell you what i tell you what tom it's right up there with two feathers don't make something <laughs> shit. Oh, i love how much Sorry. you love that tinky i, I said it about that well, I said it wrong as well. It's two feathers don't make something not shit. Sorry. Yeah, and so. uh, and it's better to take a, a dick in the mouth than a fart in the eye. But the other thing is as well. So you just said that um, our truth says that Nexus are banned from ringside. I'm pretty sure that there's an announcement that Nexus are banned from ringside 
before the main event, and Nexus looked really shocked, as if they didn't know that they were banned from ringside. This well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah. To that. What I don't understand with this is, so our truth says this, and you're like, hello, this is a chance. This is John Cena, Money in the Bank against CM Punk, where Johnny Ace comes down and Cena cuts him off of the pass and then loses the match because he's being he's being a good man. And I thought, hello, they're going to go down this angle, are they? I was like, oh, you know what? I do like a bit of our truth. I hope little Jimmy turns up. We'll have to see if that happens in the main event, won't we? Yeah, you, you look forward to that. Also, at this moment, I'm not aware that Randy Orton's in the main event either. <laughs> well, yeah. that's because they definitely don't show us anything about Randy Orton, or for that matter, really, Wade Barrett, until yeah. we get to the actual match itself. The next match is for the Intercontinental title, and it sees Dolph Ziggler defending against Caval, or otherwise known as Low Key, that is short run in WWE after winning, I believe, the second series of NXT. And this one goes for nine and a half minutes. It ends when... Ziggler pins Caval after a roll-through pin. I didn't know how else to explain it because it was very nondescript. I've written here, bit of an anticlimactic end. Tom, how did you feel? I wasn't a big fan of this match. If I'm being <laughs> so well, I that's got... the most positive you've been on this <laughs> yeah. show so far. So, first of all, I thought to myself, Tony, I know, this is when I really noticed Tony Chimmel doing his announcing. I thought, well, Tinky must be tired. Yeah, <laughs> almost, fell asleep. almost fell asleep straight yeah. And I also noted, I was like, that's really good heat from Vicky Guerrero, who accompanies Dolph Ziggler. God knows it's got to come from somewhere because no one cares. Also, there's a bit in here that I wanted to mention as well. Matt Stryker talks about the internet and that the king isn't on the internet. And I think we all know think that's for the best. So I would, <laughs> I would not want to see what is going on in his search history because, oh God, it must be awful. Uh, speaking of the king... He calls Kaval Kamala at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Knew that. Yeah. Um, and it's just, so what I will say is that Kaval's kind of, um, his, his, his offense is pretty cool because it's really different at the time. You get a lot more people kicking and doing knees and stuff like that these days, but you didn't really as much by then. And he does like a cool kind of like cartwheel jumping kick thing and an insecurity from the top rope, which is really cool. Um, but it's a bit sloppy at times. The match is sloppy. And that is kind of highlighted by the bit at the end when they do the roll up and Dolph Ziggler can't even grab his tights properly. <laughs> he just, he just can't get a, can't get a hold of them. It seems like they can't really quite get on the same wavelength that the two of them, it just doesn't seem to work properly. And at the end of the match, um, obviously Dolph Ziggler wins and no one cares. I was disappointed with Vicky Guerrero because she done give i wanted a couple of excuse me so the crowd needed it and when she does her first one the crowd are like yeah we'll, we'll fucking have that and then she don't do another one and i was like come on i need to waking up they need to waking up <sighs> and then they start wrestling and i i felt really bad for these guys because the commentators don't pay any attention to the match the crowd i mean this is painful this was excruciating i'm someone who lives on their own i'm used to quiet this was agony for me I just wanted someone to slap someone in the bollocks just so there was some noise, just so you could hear a... Ah! Oh, 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 <laughs> Sting's not on this card. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. He might have improved it, which is saying <laughs> So, Caval slash Kamala, I was watching him and I was like, you know what? He would be massive in AEW right now because he does everything that everyone else does, but a little bit better. Because Dolph Ziggler... I genuinely don't think Dolph Ziggler has a clue what to do when he's doing his flippy stuff. And I'm not really surprised because not many people were doing it at the time. And I could tell that because the crowd don't care. Like he does a 
moonsault off the top rope, unsupported by anyone, and no one even goes. People are just like they, they they can't even be bothered to go boring. It's just a bit of nothing, unfortunately. This match, and I feel like with a bit of crowd, it might have lifted. And I think this is probably the case for the other two matches as well. But I can completely understand why the crowd aren't into it. This is I'm sat here, right? I'm watching this, and I'm like, this is one of the roughest starts to a show we've had so far. I think I'm struggling, boys. I just wanted to quickly chime in now. So I started watching it up to this point, and then I then I stopped before the before the next match happened, and I carried on. And I was like, oh, Joe, I'll finish it off today because I must have watched a good, you know, I must have watched a good like hour and a half, two hours out of this. <laughs> and I'm, if I haven't got an hour into it, the disappointment when I came back today and I looked at it and I still had two hours left to watch. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, God. And I must admit as well, the one thing I do want to say without wanting to sound like a complete cunt on the show, although I'm pretty much, I'm sure mm-hmm. most people probably think I am. Everyone in ring is trying. Do you know what I mean? They're trying. They're, they're trying. They're working hard, but it's, none of it's very good. And that's that's. I just wanted to quickly try and give them credit for for at least trying, even though no one cares. So as I say, like the first two matches for me were very adequate. This is not the same because it is a bit messy, but also Caval brings something a little bit different. Mm. And so I quite liked it, but it was no better than the previous two matches. I, however, didn't view these matches as like the one of the worst starts to a show we've seen although i had the same reaction as tom had when i looked Mm. at the thing and went oh fucking hell like how far what goodness me because in fairness none of them meant anything i think that's the reason they're not good it's not that they're not good matches they would be perfectly adequate if there was some reason to care about them but there really isn't loki doesn't go on to do anything we know that much and that's a real shame because you know i think he could have added something very different to what WWE had at the time, which was basically a load of carbon copies of each other. He incidentally was in the main event of Ring of Honor's first ever show against Christopher Daniels and Brian Danielson in a triple threat mm. match. That is a double Daniel. Uh, it is indeed a double Daniel. Um, the, th- the thing is, that you, and you're right, Tinker. I don't think that's the thing. None of these matches are. None of the matches are awful, and that and that in a way is worse. <laughs> Because <laughs> at least if they were awful, you'd be like, there'd be something to be mildly interested in how awful it was. But they're just all nothing. And that's what I, that's what I kind of, this this is what I feared going into the show. Yeah, well, he, Loki or Caval doesn't even last till the end of the year. It gets released before the end of the year mm-hmm. by WWE. I think what really hurts this as well, especially watching it in isolation, is the commentary. Because not only are they not good together, but they're not paying any attention to the matches and this is this is judgment day 98 lads that's what's happening i'm reliving that nightmare the one thing i will say in favor of this match is that we do briefly get to hear loki's incredibly dramatic and deep voice at one point he gets on the <laughs> microphone and says yeah. something and he's got a yeah he's got a really deep and dramatic voice loki it's really strange um, speaking of great voices they cut to some videos of uh miami and they say, oh, here it is, Ocean Drive. And I was reminded of that absolutely belting song by the Lighthouse family. Yeah. So one of my sisters, we were driving to a Strongman event a few years ago. And on BBC Radio 2, I think it was, put it on. For some reason, they've got they've got a segment with the Lighthouse family. I don't know why. It's like 2019. But they're having a chat with the Lighthouse family. And they played Ocean Drive live on the radio. It was fine. 
I always liked a bit lifted. And I think the guy's got a cracking voice. But my sister fucking hates the Lighthouse family. <laughs> and she despises Ocean Drive so much. Oh, man, she was moaning about this for about an hour. After, it was like Tom on this fucking podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, I don't really know how anyone can actually hate Lighthouse Family. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're fine. Having said that, you are looking at probably one of the biggest Lighthouse Family fans in the business today. You're a, big, you're a big Lighthouse Family guy. I got, I got two Lighthouse Family albums, mate. Or I did have when CDs were a thing. So, yeah, I was a big, big fan of Lighthouse Family. And yes, Ocean. I mean, who who wouldn't have thought of Ocean Drive, the song by Lighthouse Family, when they started talking about Ocean Drive in Miami? And, and I must admit, it's got to be said, some lovely harmonies in the chorus of Ocean Drive. Oh, he, lovely, he's got, lovely He's harmonies. got a sensational view, old Steve Lighthouse. <laughs> absolutely beautiful so after that um todd grisham interviews jack swagger before the next match yeah he does yes. he, he jack swagger objects to grisham calling it team del rio cody rhodes then turns up and slags off swagger's shoes from last night when they're out on the town apparently del rio turns up and tells them to stop bickering and says they are here to destroy mysterio he wants to see little kids crying and if they do he'll buy the beers for everyone so my my notes are not too dissimilar to yours, but I wrote Gormless Josh Matthews interviews Gormless Jack Swagger. Cody Rhodes turns up and mock Swagger shoes. Del Rio, Drew McIntyre, and some tramp turn up to say they need to destroy <laughs> Ray Mysterio. <laughs> well, I tell you what, right? This is the most personality I think I've ever seen from Swagger in a promo. And I was like, you know what? If he had a bit more of this about him, he might have made it. But the tramp that you're on about is Tyler Rex, which brings us nicely to our Tyron Faxton of the Week. So Tyler Rex is now known as Gabby Tuft after coming out as a trans woman in February 2021. Tyron Faxton of the Week. Well, fair, fair play to her then. Yeah, you know what? Is she still wrestling then? She is not still wrestling. She does. Um, what's very odd about this, right? So I'm not on any social media or anything. And when uh, Gabby Tuft made the announcement with their wife, somehow I stumbled across the story. So they're still with their wife. They've got uh, a little kid together. And it was really a lovely story. It was very good. I encouraged the sisters to seek it out. If you could find the original interview. That was on American TV between them because it's wonderful stuff. Strangely, I saw this when this was one of the few things that I saw when I was looking up what had happened at this show afterwards, Mm. because I was like, I don't know if Tyler Rex went on to be someone else. And I just don't know about it because his face is relatively covered up. He's got long hair. So Mm. I thought he could be someone else for all I know. And then I saw that exact fact. So Mm. I gambled that that's what your fact would be about this particular. Are you you saying that my rigorous research <laughs> was a bit uh, was a bit this, obvious this week it was on the lazy side I'll, I'll give you i'll say that well the trouble is is i knew it so you didn't even need research you just no. went into your own brain and went i know this happened so i'm going to talk about it cool so i think we should take on one more match before we go to break yeah we should if we don't we'll have more matches on the one side than we do <laughs> this one and it's already taken us a long time to get here the next match is the traditional 
five on five Survivor Series elimination match. And it's at this point that I realise we're only getting one, aren't we, guys? We're only getting we're only we getting are. one. Because yeah. because Michael Cole makes a massive deal of it as well. Like, oh, we're going to oh. have the traditional Survivor Series match next. It's made a lot of people's careers in the past. And I'm like, he's talking as if the Survivor Series elimination match happens just once every year rather than multiple times on the same show. But anyway, it features Team Mysterio, which is Rey Mysterio, Big Show, Chris Masters, Kofi Kingston and MVP against Team Del Rio, which is Alberta Del Rio, Cody Rhodes, Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger and, as we just said, Tyler Rex. It goes for 18 minutes. Now, I'm not going to go through all the eliminations because, quite frankly, I can't be bothered. And also, I think it might uh, explode Tom's brain if I did. So all I'm going to say is that the end comes when when Drew McIntyre is chokeslammed by Big Show and pinned, leaving he and Mysterio as the final two survivors. Nice. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, right? So we've got the old old Paul Wigger comes down. Either way. It's- uh, yeah, gets a lovely pop. Poor Chris Masters comes out after him. Gets gets the kind of pop that I think I would if I walked out. Oh, it's horrendous. Like, oh, it's just agony. It's like, they're like, hey, big show, hey. And then Chris Masters. <laughs> and then MVP gets a crack. They have people dancing. They show people dancing. I was like, what's going on with MVP? Then he... Find out he's from Miami. So Miami's his home hometown. Cody Rhodes music. Oh, awful. Oh my god. This was I was almost sick. this. So him and him in I almost called him Cody Debiasi then. Him and Edward used to be obviously tag team partners in Legacy. They both had awful music after they came out of that. I think their legacy music was pretty crap as well. But yeah. But also awful, Drew Drew awful. McIntyre's music is crap as well. Yeah. And what was yours? Now oh. is mine. Oh, so <laughs> but we've got Alberto Darius mm. in the middle, and it's kind of like Ooh. a little bit before we get into the action. The face team, so Team Mysterio, all color coordinated, which oh, I yeah, loved. Yes, because I, I love like, that. Because that's a very tiny detail that I may not have picked up on if I wasn't close to boiling my eyeballs. With some mix of salt and vinegar. But I was like, you know what? I really like that because they're a team. Mm. I liked the pre-match bit with the Swagger team because at least they're a team. We had this last week. I like it when they're a team. And even wearing the same colours makes them a team. Hashtag England. Um, I was astonished to hear something in this match. So they're having a little scrap, some people. Dario's wearing incredibly high pants. Incredibly high. The crowd, I'd steer it. What do you say? I mean, for a start, they're making a noise, so I'm already surprised. It's like, we want big show. We <laughs> want big show. Unbelievable scenes. Incredible stuff. And then he gets in, they go nuts. He does his thing. He wallops some people around, and he fucks off again. And then the MVP comes in. He's coming before this, but then he comes in again. The crowd are red hot, and then they do WWE. They eliminate MVP, and they take all of the energy out of the match from the crowd's point of view. And I was like, what are you doing? And then you get um, Cody Rhodes gets slapped in the face, throws a little tantrum, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Because I was like, you know what, that's lovely. And then he obviously gets in the ring after his little tantrum, gets slapped straight away. Again, beautiful stuff. And then he gets punched in the face, I think, by Big Show. One thing I was a bit confused about was Del Rio Mm. in this, because he gets punched in the face by the Big Show. 
And he's then helped to the back. And I assumed it was going to be like Ric Flair when he was in the Money in the Bank ladder match where he hurts his knee in the vertical commas and then comes back at the end. And he just doesn't. So I thought, what what happened to the horrible, violent man? And then I realized I don't care. Um, We've got a low bar. But this was a little kickstart that I think the show needed. I think if they'd kept MVP in there and he'd got the winning pin, the crowd would have gone bananas and we might have been off to a hot start. But this was decentness. And then I was like, why didn't they open with it? Why? You've got a hometown hero, MVP. You've got Jack Swagger. What more do you want? Well, they didn't open with it because if they did, they would then have been brought down by the three matches that came after it. <laughs> Don't have those matches. <laughs> chuck, chuck them all together. There's another match later on that you can chuck in there as well. It's like, come on. Tom, come you, on. Uh, you're the big connoisseur of Survivor Series matches. So what did you think? So in terms of the grand, you know, tradition of Survivor Series matches, it's not up there with the best of them. But, you know, in comparison to the rest of this card, I thought it was all right. The reason being is that there, there are things that made me laugh. So whilst I didn't like MVP not being in a match, because like you said, oh man, he's the one thing that's given the, the crowd energy, apart from the big show, weirdly, <laughs> is used to show how fucking mental this show is. I like, like the fact that he was eliminated with his legs being held down and a D'Lo Brown on the rock. At Judgment Day. Yeah. <laughs> so again, another comparison to that show. They must have watched it like a week before and been like, hello, some absolute gold on here. Um, <laughs> there's a bit where the big show slams Kofi onto Drew McIntyre and it blows Jerry Lawler's mind. As if he's never seen anything like that before. loads. <laughs> <laughs> the Heart Foundation used to do it. You know, this is not a new thing. And there's another bit when Rey Mysterio jumps off the big show's shoulders and... <laughs> Matt Stryker goes, the, 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 the picture is seven foot tall, Rey Mysterio's five foot four, so he's jumped, he's jumped 12 and a half feet off of, and he's like, no he hasn't, that's not how height works, that's that's from the top of Rey Mysterio's head to the sole of the Big Show's feet, but he jumps off of the Big Show, which is about seven feet, So and he says it like three times, the fucking idiot. Um, well, it's also, he doesn't jump off his head, he jumps off his shoulders, so it's not even seven feet. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's so shit. One thing I will say about Big Show in this. He hits Drew McIntyre with a hell of a choke slam. It is, mm. is a magnificent choke slam. But then my, my note at the end is like, so nothing's happening with Alberto Del Rio then? Because it was just weird. Like I didn't even I didn't even remember them acknowledging the fact that he had been el- like eliminated officially. I thought he was just taken no. away. But one thing I will say, good bit of commentary from Michael Cole at one point. He says the heel team is the best groomed Survivor Series team of all time. <laughs> Which is a great show. I got that one. That was going to be one of my notes. I also noted that Lawler, when Cody Rhodes is coming down to the ring, Cody Rhodes, somebody says, oh, Cody Rhodes is, uh, whatever, he's doing his he's beautiful gimmick thing. And Jerry Lawler makes his old <laughs> Cody Rhodes neck throw up joke yeah. about Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's nowhere near as good as when he says it to somebody in the crowd, because it's not said with any venom. It's just, no. yeah, oh, he's the, he's the baby face. Bad joke vibes yeah. in there. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame, because when he first made it, it was a great joke. This match for me was um was, how, how do I put it um really adequate um <laughs> that's really all I can say about it and you know what the it was so adequate that the thing that I was most uh, interested in and most um, kind of curious by was my cutest shoes are really strange during this <laughs> they're like they're trainers but they look like shoes because they're really shiny they they've got Nike ticks on them so they're obviously trainers but they look really shiny. And they look like shoes. I'm really confused by it. That was the main thing I took away from this was Mike Kyoto's shoes. Uh, Again, it was very very adequate, but probably the most realised thing we've seen on the show so far. Yes. 
There's a little bit of heel tension, kind of coordinated faces. Why not? This is, you know what this is, thinking. <laughs> this is one feather. And we only need another. <laughs> no, 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 no. Two feathers don't make something not shit, oh man. So you need more oh, than yeah. two feathers. <laughs> oh, bollocks. I'll find myself into a shoot. Right. Okay. I think it's a good time to take a break just so we all keep our sanity for a little bit longer. We'll come back where we'll take on the four uh, main matches of the night. Randy, I don't mean to interrupt, but with all the talk concerning John Cena tonight, you have... John Cena. There it is. There it is, John Cena. You want to talk about John Cena? Well, you know what, Josh? I'm sick and tired of talking about John Cena. I'm sure, I, I feel for the guy at all. I really do, but uh, John Cena did this to himself. So no, Josh, I am not thinking about John Cena. I'm thinking about Wade Barrett. I'm thinking about how I'm going to beat Wade Barrett tonight and retain the WWE Championship. Now, John, he knows me. He knows me well enough to know that being fired is the best situation for him to be in, considering that if he screws me over tonight of what I would do to him. Now, I don't care about Wade Barrett. I don't care about John Cena, and I certainly do not care about The Miz. All I care about is walking out of here tonight, WWE Champion. So, as far as I'm concerned, tonight, it isn't about John Cena free or fired. Tonight's about Wade Barrett. Punt to the skull. Or RKO. Okay, welcome back. So, we've got through our one Survivor Series match of this particular Survivor Series. Tom is raging at me for not picking a Survivor Series as more Survivor Series matches in. I was just thinking to myself, why, why are we not watching Survivor Series 88? <laughs> or 89? Or 90? Or 87? Well, maybe, maybe next year. Maybe next year. So... Uh, the next thing that happens is we get a bit backstage with Randy Orton staring intently at his WWE title. He's, inter- <laughs> he's interrupted by Josh Matthews, and Orton says that he's sick and tired of talking about John Cena. Orton says he's thinking about how he's going to beat Wade Barrett tonight. Orton says that the best outcome for Cena is for him to be fired because he knows what happens if Cena screws him over. He says tonight will end with either a punt to the skull or an RKO. And Ooh. at this point, I'm thinking, fuck me, we've got a Randy Orton, Wade Barrett main event with John Cena as a referee. And I'm thinking, Jesus, this is going to be rough. And the way he says, I'm thinking about um, uh, Wade Barrett, made me think of there's a song by <laughs> by Frank Ocean called Thinking About You. And I just imagine that he's just there looking into his WWE title, into his own reflection. And this is, I've been thinking about you. Oh, no, no, no. It's like a romantic, slow R&B song. <laughs> Wade Barrett's face is fading in the <laughs> background and fading back out over sunsets and some nice seagulls. That would that would of course be Frank Ocean Drive, of course. <laughs> Spin off of the uh, of the old uh, Lighthouse family. So you're having a little moment with your world title. You're obviously <laughs> concerned you're going to lose it. You're like, you know, what? I'm glad to have these moments. Before... Oh fuck's sake, Josh Matthews is just stood there as well. He don't walk in. He stood still, and I'm like, how long has he been there? Watching him, watching that title, like some dirty voyeur. Horrible. 
horrible I, little prank. I tell you what, this is classic though shit WWE backstage interview territory. Yeah. Not just because it's Josh Matthews. Forget Josh Matthews. This could be Gene Oakland and it would still be shit. Because No, it wouldn't. No, but wait, because there's a fucking camera in the room looking at you, be a weirdo looking at your title, you freak. Like this would never happen. It's stupid. It does my head in. It just completely doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but at the same time, at least you'd imagine I, I agree with you hundred percent. I hate these backstage vignettes where they act as if a camera's not there. It does it does my absolute nothing. Especially I remember that one we talked about with Triple H hiding around the corner whilst Eugene <laughs> yeah. Chris Benoit having a chat. Those are awful. But at least, at least, oh, well, the one thing I was if Mean Gene was there, at least he'd have some charisma. Well, the thing is, though, this that, they're not even ignoring the fact that there's a camera there. They're pretending there's not a camera there for the first bit. And then they've got Josh Matthews interviewing the bugger. Like, what? Well, either the camera's there or it's not, you fucking weirdos. It's just ridiculous. I, I, I just find oh, it stupid. I don't thought about that. That's really shit, isn't it? It is completely shit. Mm. So let's move on. It's next up a two on one handicap match for the Divas title as Natalia takes on Lay Cool. I believe that the defending champion is Michelle McCool, but I'm not sure. It's no, right. no, they're, they're co holders because they both got a belt. Oh, okay. Self proclaimed co Divas champions. Yeah. Interesting. Now, this one ends when uh, Natalia uh, manages to. Uh, what did she do? I don't even know. Uh, uh, she she sharpshooters Michelle McCall. That's right. Uh, and the reason I couldn't find it in amongst my notes is I really don't have very many notes. And <laughs> most of them are saying this is a two-on-one handicap match for the WWE Divas title. McCall is the defending champion, I think. And Layla is fond of saying hiya when she kicks someone. And the match goes for three and a half minutes. Um, and it's a storybook ending, apparently, for Natalia winning the Divas title it in is. such a glorious match. After the match, the lay call twosome attack Natalia and Beth Phoenix comes to her rescue and they celebrate afterwards. Wonderful. Old man? Matt Stryker, he says some good stuff. You know what you can't have? You can't have the word dynasty or dynasty, as Americans say it, without the word nasty. <laughs> Heard that one. <laughs> now I think he's referring to Natalia. I think he's uh he's referring to this. So my notes. A long slugfest this was not, poor buggers. About as good as could be expected for this time, to be honest. This uh this is just crap. Because it's gonna be crap. Because they get three and a half minutes. And you've got three people you need to get they each need to have their little moment in the match and I remember Michelle McCall being, I wasn't really watching when she had her thing, but I remember like reading that she was really, very good. I ain't convinced. I'll be honest. I ain't convinced. We've seen a couple of her matches. I don't think she's particularly good. I think Layla is much better than I expected. Natalia is just Natalia. And then you see Beth Phoenix come down and you're like, there's some bloody class coming down to the ring. And she gives the old glam slam or whatever it's called. Uh, to Layla, and again, I was almost sick in my mouth because it looks absolutely horrible to take. But yeah, this just made me like, I think especially now in the era that we're in, or the era that, whether we're still in it or whether we've just passed it, but where women are having good length matches, telling nice stories, they've got a little bit of a story here in that Natalia wants to win the title, and there's two ladies who are co-holders of the title or whatever they are, but they get three and a half minutes, and they've given... Daniel Bryan and Edward, Seamus and John Morrison, and it was it Ziggler and Caval. They've given them a combined probably 35 minutes. 
So you couldn't have given these ladies even seven minutes? No? Nah, can't be bothered. Too busy being shit. Well, they, I think the problem for me is not that they give them no time, because I can understand them doing that quite regularly at the time, because that's what they did. But more that they also want you to buy into Natalia's big moment at mm. the end, which is just ridiculous. Like, if you'd have given them seven minutes and Natalia had got a decent victory over them, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. We can get behind yeah. that. There's a bit of emotion in there. When it's three and a half minutes, you're like, I'm not sure you can sell the idea that this is a big moment, Natalia, yeah. even though it probably was for her personally. Ultimately, you've done nothing to help us along on the same path. You you know what I judge these things by? Every now and then, it'll pop into my head and I'll be like, when I watch a match and I'm like, I'm not sure I could have had a shit in that time. I always just think, fuck me, if I can't even get a bowel movement out of my body and get the cleanup completed and they've got to go out there and entertain me, what a waste. So in addition to the notes I had already talked you through, which included the bit about Layla being fond of saying hiya when she kicks people, <laughs> is a bit of fighting outside. Natalia locks in Sharpshire on McCall and she taps. Natalia wins a title. Then there's a bit about Beth Phoenix. And then for some reason, Matt Stryker calls Phoenix Bethy. Yes. <laughs> and someone even says, I think Michael Cole says, Bethy. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That is the best piece of commentary Michael Cole's done all night. It's just... Uh... Again, like again, they're they're trying hard, they're trying their best, but no one cares. They haven't got they haven't got the time to care, and it's just it does make you think. You watch these matches, and you know, do you know what? I am bloody glad it's not like this anymore, and that we do get better women's matches involved in wrestling. Because at the moment, when you're watching this, you're like, this is this is the piss break. Because because what they want to do is they want to get you just had the Survivor Series match, which has been a little bit of fun especially compared to the rest of the show. And they want to get, let you have the time to have a little piss and go for a beer before the absolute barnstorm that we're going to have next. <laughs> yes. So why don't we go into that? Because it is Edge versus Kane for the World Heavyweight title, a near 13-minute contest, which ends when Edge scoots out of a tombstone attempt, then hits a spear for a very anticlimactic finish. Edge's music then plays, but then the ref calls it off. And it's then announced that both men's shoulders were down for a three. Therefore, we have a draw. And then I've written bad finish for a bad match. Then they show the replay of the end. And clearly I hadn't been paying attention the first time around because I've then written, actually, it's the lamest finish in history. (laughs) (laughs) So there's some pretty much footage, which basically shows Paul Bearer turning on The Undertaker and Kane wins the WWF title. But then the World Heavyweight title, should I say. For a start, how many times has this fucker turned on The Undertaker? He's an idiot. <laughs> they keep him. And then, he's, like, he's like Rick Steiner with Buff Bagwell. <laughs> <laughs> so that you kind of see footage of that. And then you see Edge kind of returns from some kind of injury, I, I assume. Wins the number one contenders, Matt. And then says, basically, I'm going to start fucking with Kane. So he kidnaps and tortures Paul Bearer. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like a very babyface thing to do. Then... Kane is wandering around the backstage going, where's Paul? Where's Paul Bearer? Where's Paul Bearer? And I was like, this is a bit weird. Especially this... as he's not calling him dad. Like, he's... Well, yes, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was just going to say. He's like, well, he's not calling him dad. Daddy, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Kane comes down first to the ring for their, for their match after the video package is finished with his scary Titantron, which I quite, was quite like. Edge comes out looks a bit intense you know like he usually does and he goes oh oh i need to get paul bear comes back and just brings out an empty wheelchair and just starts mucking about with it 
his wheelchair. So that's pushing it around. You can always tell when Tom's unimpressed. He says the words mucking about in a very specific (laughs) way. (laughs) And then throughout the match, which is extremely one-paced and very flat, Kane again keeps going, where is Paul Bearer? Where is Paul Bearer? In a tone that reminded me of, who does number two work for? (laughs) From Austin Powers. (laughs) It made me think of that. And I'm watching this. I've written this boring and it's pointless and the end is shit. And we're fucking, I tell you what, lads, we're we're two for two for great Kane title matches, aren't we? <laughs> because I tell you what, he's having an absolute stinker. And, I, I, and I'm like, you can tell they must have been extremely thin on people they would consider to be main event wrestlers at the time if you were at Kane as the world heavyweight champion. Because Kane's best use, let's be honest, is in a comedy, t- is in an odd couple tag team. That's the best use you're going to get of Kane. And then every now and again, they decide to make him serious and somewhat scary so that they can put him into the main event. And then he'll fuck off back down to the mid card again, which where he, where he belongs, quite frankly. And it's just really not good. I think they're probably capable of a better match than this, but not much better. <laughs> and, and it's just, we've seen Kane do this match a million times. We've seen Edge do this match a million times. And it's just a bit bit nothing the only bit that's good is after the match finishes Kane carries on beating up Edge as he should because he's kidnapped his dad and then um Edge somehow gets Kane into the wheelchair and pushes him through a barrier um and then it ends and we still don't know what's happened with Paul Bearer daft Kane makes some great noises early on in this match he's making some tremendous noises and it's a good job someone's making some noise because I noticed it earlier but the crowd during this are so silent it's horrendous just dying for some noise just absolutely dying for something because they Tommy said the nail on the head with Kane I've always quite liked Kane and now when I'm actually watching your stuff back I'm like he's really not very good and I think the crowd know this and then I start noticing the set again <laughs> because I'm so bored and it's doing the head in and then and then I fixate on something that I'd never be able to unsee I noticed Kane's belly button he's got a really aggressive anti belly button <laughs> It's like something's trying to come out of his belly. Maybe it's Paul Bearer. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, um, this is just not very good. And the finish, like you said, Tiki, is horrendous. It's so lazy and so crap. What it should have been, let's be honest. If someone kidnaps me dad, right? One, probably not waiting until after SmackDown to try and find him on a pay-per-view. I'm leathering the tar out of the person who's fucking taking him. Until he tells me, just do that. Just have Kane fucking wailing on him. Have him pick up that wheelchair, shove it up his ass, do something. Just don't do what you did. Because they probably have to have a rematch. And some other poor cunts are going to have to watch that. (laughs) Why? Maybe us at some point in the future. Yeah. I mean, what what also got me with this is that this is a crap schmoz finish. Because of what they're dripping from the main event, I'm anticipating that going the same way. And I'm like... Two title matches end and then crap finishes. Come on. Come on. Why is it so bad? This this is a really bad ending. Like, I, I must have taken my eyes off the screen after Edge did the spear, thinking that the match wasn't even going to end. Because that's, cause that's mm-hmm. the first thing. I was like, oh, it's really, you know, that's not going to be the end, surely. I, I must have taken my eyes off it. And then when the pin went, I was like, okay, well, that's a really bad end because it was really anticlimactic. And then... Then they did the whole thing with the music and then the referees talking. I was like, what's going on here? That was fine. What's what's the problem? And then they show the replay and oh my God, like it is fucking dreadful. It is so atrocious because first of all, Edge 
has to really work quite hard to put himself in a position to also have his shoulders down. Like, it's not natural at all. It's not like he falls into that position. He has to then, in about three more motions, adjust himself so that he's on on the match. If you were thinking about this finish, what you would have done instead was you'd have gone, Edge spears him. Then, like, in his fall, he falls on his back. They pin each other, but no music happens because there's instantly confusion because who's pinned who? That would have made more sense. Might have got away with it. But here it just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's fucking terrible. It's really, really bad. It is the bottom end of the dusty finish. That's what it is. It's the absolute bottom end of that kind of stuff. And and at the end of the match, the announcers ask the question on everybody's lips. Where is Paul Bearer? <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It's over. So it's fine. We'll, we'll come back to it another time. Probably in our regularly scheduled programming. Not as if a, a man has been actually kidnapped or, or something. Oh. Uh, the whole kidnap angle that they've used a few times, I've never really understood it because, like I said, if that's my dad or my mum or my sister or even like a neighbour that I know, I won't be waiting until the next scheduling, <laughs> scheduling, <laughs> the next where re- regularly scheduled programming yeah. to get back to them. I'd be like, right, come on in, mate, you fucking toss piece. I'll have your eyes. But also, it's not a very baby face thing to do, is it? To kidnap. No, let's be honest, lads. I think we all need to get away from it because it's so bad that I think think we're we're all going to lose our mind. So let's go back to our, um, let's check back in with our show long storyline, shall we? Because backstage, John Cena, John Cena is talked to by Wade Barrett as John Cena looks at the referee shirt. So he is as fascinated by this referee shirt as Randy Orton was with that title earlier on. (laughs) Barrett says that this is this arena is where Nexus made their mark on WWE. He tells Cena that all he needs to do is help him become WWE champion and he'd be free of the Nexus. Cena says that he knows exactly what he's doing when the time is right and he will do it then. Crap. Because. <laughs> Hang on. Are you but, suggesting that John Cena's talking crap or that this the uh that the segment is crap? The whole story is crap. I can't this is the trouble. I couldn't get my head around this story. So you've got a guy, you're like, oh, if you um, help me win the title, and then you'd have to be in Nexus. But you know that guy's going to go straight after your title. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like it. I Also, I always feel bad for Wade Barrett because he worked with some absolute shit that he was given, and he really got it over. Bad use Barrett, personal favourite. He was the king for a bit. He proper like worked it. And he's doing this shit. He's watching watching an incredibly muscular man trying to look sad, looking at a t-shirt. Well, don't 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 um don't get us onto that just yet because I know that Tom's gonna have some particularly <laughs> visceral things to say about John Cena being sad. Well, yeah, it's just he's got the fucking acting range of my bollock, one of my bollocks, <laughs> like. Like it's so it's so because he just looks like a stroppy like toddler, which I know I've, I know I've said that he looks like a toddler before, but he genuinely does. And his his acting ability makes him look like he's about to throw a tantrum. It's so bad. And this is what the third segment about this now on this pay per view, not including the um you know the pre event promo. And I'm just like, oh fuck off now. You, the the pudding has been so over egged. It's a fucking <laughs> plate of scrambled eggs and i like scrambled <laughs> eggs but i don't want it if i want a delicious pudding i don't want to eat too many eggs that i end up getting constipated so <laughs> get these fucking eggs away from me please yeah, yeah excuse me sir i ordered the uh sticky toffee pudding yes 
start it. No, no, that's scrambled eggs. <laughs> no, no, John, John Cena's been looking at them with his sad face, and that's what happened. Yeah. So before we get to our main event, we do have one more match, thank God, because I looked at the clock before this and I was like, there's 45 minutes left here. And yeah. I don't want that all to be the main event. And it is a match for the WWE Tag Team titles, which features Nexus pair Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel, who are accompanied by the rest of Nexus, against Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov, which ends when Santino Morella tees up the Cobra, but Atunga distracts him and Slater hits what looks like a zigzag and gets pinned. Um, yeah. I don't know what the move is, but it looked like a zigzag. No. Uh, all these cunts are added to the list. All of them. <laughs> well, Even but, go on. I, I was going to say, fortunately, only one of them is still with the company, and he hasn't wrestled for about probably since now. Yeah, only David Otunga is still with the company out of everyone in this match, I believe. That's that's a damning damning indictment, isn't it? Because <laughs> obviously that also included Daniel Bryan, it included Michael Tarver, it included Skip Sheffield or Ryback, as he uh, obviously would go on to be better known. Of that entire group, and Wade Barrett, of course. Only David Atung, well, Wade Barrett's still with the company, isn't he? But yes, um, yes. He went and came back. But really, other other than those two, no one else has left. No, no. It's only because he used to be married to someone famous that he, st- that he was ever kept around for so long. And now he's probably just they've forgotten about him. And he's still yeah. there. They've had that tendency before, you know, forgetting that people are employed by them and, and them just being on the payroll for ages. I remember seeing, like, when Rikishi came back. Uh, in like late 99 he'd never not been with the company since his head shrinker days and he'd just not been around for years but he was obviously the old um the sultan was the sultan but not for long um this match is absolutely nothing well one thing i will say is that it does contain the most over person on the card though and that's (laughs) santino morella he is more over than anybody else apart from maybe mvp and big show I'm big sure, yeah. I think it's all it's all reasonably, you know, reasonably degrees of over, but it's it's not again, it's just nothing and nothing match. And like you said, Tinky, don't know what the move is. He just pulls him down from mm. behind and that's it. And that's the end of the match. Not worth the piece of toilet paper that this was written on was this match. <laughs> we talked about shiny stuff earlier and something else shiny in this justin gabriel's ring gear is incredibly shiny and i'm like you know what i might enjoy this but i didn't because it's not very good it's really sloppy it's got a crap ending with the really weird finish vladimir kozlov's head is absolutely enormous like i think it's justin gabriel has him in a headlock and he's like it looks like he's carrying a pumpkin one of those massive pumpkins you get at halloween and the best thing about it is santino's music because it's tremendous I would do it, but I'm not even going to come close to doing it justice. Fair enough. But yeah, well, yeah, just needless crap. After the match, we get the fourth most over person on the roster, which is the anonymous Raw general manager. <laughs> um, and the tone that's made when he uh, emails in to Michael Cole's little laptop on the podium. And actually, bef- until before this match, I didn't even notice that the Raw GM podium was there. So maybe they put it there, especially. I don't know. No, it was there. Uh, come on mate get your head in the game well, I hadn't noticed it at all so anyway the email comes in Michael Cole goes up to it and does his two, couple of catchphrases that he did at the time the first one being that I've had an email from the anonymous rule general manager and the second one is I can't remember what the other one is what's the other one? Oh, and I quote and I quote yeah yeah genuinely good stuff i did always appreciate that stuff at the time i seem to remember although i never appreciated the fact that it was never revealed until much later who the raw general manager was and it didn't make sense once they did reveal who it was so the email said that the nexus it was a reminder 
that the Nexus is banned from ringside. So to your point earlier, early on, Tom, uh, it's not like they're actually revealing it at that point. It's just a reminder. But you're right. Nexus still do seem very, very put out by this, even though they already know. They should just be like, yeah, we know. All right, mate. <laughs> fuck off. And the, and the, uh, the email continues that if they do get involved in the next match, they will be indefinitely suspended. He, in the email, advises them that they should leave the ringside immediately why why do this just because the rule general the rule general manager's been there then that means he's made an appearance yeah well i suppose but that's that's another wage they gotta pay (laughs) it's true those emails don't come for free mate so we come to the moment that certainly me and old man have been waiting for since earlier today when tom sent us a voice message via whatsapp to tell us about his dissatisfaction at the pre-main event video package which saw john cena uh, and talking about living his dream and saying he doesn't want to walk away from it. Featuring that uh, shit soft rock slash country song again <laughs> and featuring a lot of John Cena looking sad. Tom, how did you feel about this? So I hated it. <laughs> but the, the things are I've calmed down now, as you can probably tell. So I'm quite tired. But it was just so bad. It went it went on ages as well. It was so unbelievably long. And all it is about is about how sad John Cena is. I'm annoyed by his face at this this point now. I'm just watching it and I'm be like, I can't be dealing with John Cena's stupid face and his awful accent. And then I then I started getting annoyed at the fact that he's now being cast in films. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what's wrong with people? <laughs> like, what's wrong with people? Like, the Suicide Squad is quite a big franchise. Why, if they cast him in that, if, if, if this is the sort of shit that he's serving up, the song in particular is dreadful as well. It's it's absolutely poison to my ears. And the just the entire thing is awful. And the the the, the most egregious error is that it completely just diminishes any relevance to the actual match. You know, so there's no reason to care about Randy Orton or Wade Barrett. Now, admittedly, I don't think you could make me care about <laughs> Wade Barrett and Randy Orton to be perfectly honest, in 2010. To be perfectly honest, but they don't even attempt it. Like it seems to me that they, like whoever wrote this absolute steaming turd of a show. It's really thrown the towel in. It just cannot be, and not with not you know being convinced by Owen Hart to do it either. But they've just done some awful, really lazy, really crap storyline going into this match, and accompanied it with an awful amount of video packages and and backstage vignettes all about John Cena about this because they can't be bothered to do anything else, and it's just awful. It was so bad. Anything so, bad, old man? Well, how long was the tag match, Tingy? Five minutes. So this video goes four and a half minutes. Because <laughs> I was like, this is bloody long. Longer than, I knew it was longer than the Divas match. You could tell that. Um, I agree completely with Tom, apart from Cena's acting, because I've seen him in a couple of things. He's obviously had some lessons now. So I can see why he's getting cast in things. But yeah, this isn't um, very good, is it? What it said to me, and I know we kind of touched on the uh, dearth of main event talent on the roster, is that this is your guy and he's the only guy you've got probably outside of the undertaker who's obviously taking some time off he's probably have another hip surgery and you're gonna fuck him off how bad must the next couple of months have been whatever cena was doing without him so he's regardless of what you think of him he's the guy who gets the crowd going and without i can't imagine what it must have been like it must have been wonderful well Let's uh, let's see what the main event brings, right? Because we've been pretty negative throughout the show, but I'm pretty certain this is gonna gonna be turned right upside down when we talk about this main event. 
which is subtitled. The match has got a title. It's called Free or Fired. It's for the WWE title. It's between Randy Orton and Wade Barrett. And as we know, John Cena is the special guest referee. The stipulation also is that if Cena raises Barrett's hand, then he is free of the Nexus. If Orton wins, then Cena will be fired. Effectively, that is the stipulation. Mm. The end comes after just over 15 minutes and comes when Barrett hits Wasteland, but Orton grabs the rope on the resulting pinfall. Barrett is frustrated by this, having been frustrated a couple of times by John Cena's count, and he gets in Cena's face and then pushes him. Cena pushes him back, and Orton hits an RKO straight after the push to win the match. Cena counts the fall, does the last one a little bit hesitantly, but still manages to count the fall, and we have... Orton having retained the title, while Cena immediately realises that he will now be fired as a consequence. What I will say before I hand this over to you is that this felt like it was combining elements of Judgment Day in your house with the main event of that, with the elements of SummerSlam 97, where we had a special guest Mm. referee. But whilst it combined elements of both, it very much was on the end of the scale occupied by Judgment Day in your house, as opposed to (laughs) SummerSlam 1997's main event. Uh, Tom, your thoughts on this one? It's dreadful. This match is so boring and slow and plodding. You know, uh, you said, I think, old man, about the... One of the matches, I can't remember which one now, you said it doesn't really get out of first gear. I'm pretty sure this one stays in neutral <laughs> through most of it. <laughs> I, Randy Orton, I'm not... I know you you like a bit of Randy Orton, but I, I'm not a Randy Orton guy at all. And I don't think Wade Barrett's much better. Lots of slow, boring chin locks. It's so plodding and slow. And just, I can't really remember anything happening in it, if I'm being honest. Now, I, I, arguably, was probably not in the most positive mind frame to watch it at this point. I'm just watching it thinking this is this is absolute rubbish. And, you know, I said to you in the past, like there can be some occasions where I don't have many notes on a match because I'm enjoying it. Well, I don't have many notes on this match, but I didn't enjoy it. So I just couldn't get myself up to write. And I couldn't find anything interesting to write in it. The only thing that I've got is that John Cena, when he gets into the ring or just after Wade Barrett gets into the ring, should I say, John Cena attends a turnbuckle related issue. He looks like there's a little bit of little bit of string hanging down, which he nicely puts away. And at the and then that's right literally right at the beginning. And then at the end, after John Cena does the pinfall and evidently is gonna get fired, match striker goes, Cena's free. And then <laughs> goes, No, he's not. And he goes, Oh, oh yeah. Um well I don't think I got a bit too much into it. And that is those are like my those are my notes on the match for those two instances. <laughs> It's so boring and rubbish and shit. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, glad that's over. That is the weirdest bit of commentary I think I've ever heard where mm-hmm. Matt Stryker does that. Because it, I can't tell if he's doing it on purpose or he legitimately has just got it yeah. all wrong. Very strange. He's got it so wrong. He couldn't have got it more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, we've got another crowd issue here. And I don't blame them, but fuck me, are they quiet? I mean, my dear God, are they... It popped for Cena's entrance. I, to be honest, quite like Cena's entrance because he doesn't do any of his shenanigans. He just walks down, looks very serious, looks a bit sad, but also serious. Barrett probably gets a similar entrance uh, ovation at his entrance to Chris Masters, which is quite astonishing. I was like, Jesus Christ, that is very quiet. Orton gets a decent enough pop. And then the match starts and they're just, they, they've got a problem immediately because... They don't go straight into it. They have about 30 seconds where they don't really do anything. And I was like, this isn't the way to do this, boys. You need to, like, 
you need to get some energy into it. You need to try and get the crowd on. Because all the crowd are interested in is the finish. That's all they want. They want to know, just like Matt Stryker does, whether he's free or fired. That's all they care about. They don't give a shit about the title. Don't give a shit about the match. When uh, old Baz is having a little bit of a dominate for a few minutes, it's painful how quiet it is. There was such an old man turn of phrase. When old Baz is, is having a <laughs> bit old... of a dominate. <laughs> you can almost hear the chafing of his thighs as he walks around the ring. That's how quiet it is. And then he, he does a move. He does a boss man slam, which I enjoy because Matt Stryker calls it the boss man slam, which I love. And then he gets up and he fit, fronts up to Cena because it's not a three count. And he's got a horrendous blob of spit on yeah. the side of his yeah, face. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's horrible. And then the crowd, like, the crowd start doing Jordan Cena chants. And Randy Orton looks like he wants to eviscerate every single person in that building. And also probably everyone who booked this situation that he's in. It, like Tommy said, it's not a good match. It's very slow paced. It's not exciting at all. But they're in just an untenable position. And they're not Kane and The Undertaker. They aren't, especially Wade Barrett, they aren't experienced enough to just be like, yeah, whatever. That's absolutely fine. We know why we're here. It's terrible. But I did quite like the hesitation by Cena at the end, which is, un- apart from the spit, is undoubtedly the best part of the match, <laughs> I think. Just that momentary hesitation. Because I thought it was quite, quite good, but it's not good. It's not good. Sorry, lads. Sorry, I think I've just figured out who old man's MVP is going to be. Um, it's so weird how similar this is to the Judgment Day in your house yeah. in terms of overall quality, in terms of the fact that the referee and his story massively overshadows a title match, the main event match of the night, how the match is really just really boring. The crowd just don't react to it or respond to it in the way they want them to. Uh, how the, the stipulation is effectively the same. It's just almost exactly the same match in every way. And the quality is about the same. Um, in fact, I couldn't choose which one of these two matches I'd rather watch again, to be honest. And on top of all of that, I actually have a major problem with the result. I think Wade Barrett should have won. I think they should have, because this feud with John Cena, Wade Barrett, and John Cena being part of Nexus continues anyway, right up until the next pay-per-view. Just have him win. Just have Wade Barrett win the championship. Because you've just talked about the fact that they've got no main eventers, right? Well, here's a way of just elevating someone. Okay, not maybe not someone who's going to be there for a long time, but someone you can keep there for six months or so in a match. You could give Wade Barrett a main event run. Think about the fact that, as we've already said, WrestleMania 27, probably the worst WrestleMania of all time, largely because the lineup is absolutely anemic. There's just no one in it. It's just terrible. The main event is John Cena and The Miz. If you are able to elevate anyone at this point, you're, you should do because you need more people mm. to be elevated to that level. So I just think on top of everything, the result is just the wrong one. Wade Barrett should win this match, solidify himself as a main eventer, relaunch the Nexus a little bit by them having the t- the world title. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? And just breathing life into a feud that you know you're going to continue on anyway until at least the December pay-per-view. So, so yeah, just, just make it mm. more interesting and give Wade Barrett a little bit more to go with. So, for me, yeah, very, very bad match. Very, very bad um, result. 
And then we get like, I don't know, like 10 minutes after the match. Now, we've talked oh. about post-match, post-main event stuff before. And I've been relatively positive. You guys have been relatively negative about what we've seen. This is fucking dreadful. And it goes on forever. Nothing happens. It's John Cena just saying goodbye. Don't know why they make such a big deal of it anyway, because he's on television every single week after this until the point where he gets rehired about three weeks later. When the ne- the rest of the Nexus put pressure on Wade Barrett because John Cena is making their life a living hell. So effectively, none of it means anything anyway. And yeah, it's just it's not good. It's just not good. No, yeah, it's simple. really bad. It's, it's really, really shit. Goes on for ages. And it's one of those things. That, so he takes his little armbands off and wristbands, puts <laughs> them in the middle of the ring. And you think to yourself, do you know what? I know this is bullshit. We, everyone and their mother knows that he ain't finishing now. But at least that's a little bit of symbolism to end it on. And then it's almost as if he thinks, nah, do you know what? That's not enough. I was going to do a lap around the entire ground floor of the arena mm. and give Michael Cole a hug for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. Then, I uh, love you, John. I love awful. you, John. It is awful. And awful. Uh, do you know what, though? To be honest, it's not worse than the rest of the card. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's completely in keeping. So, Tommy, you were, you've already started going into your summary of the show. So why not? Why not carry on? This is the worst show we've watched. I though I find no redeeming features to this. Even the infamous sold out nineteen ninety seven was so bad that we could have a laugh about it. We've barely been able to muster a laugh about this show because <laughs> it's been so awful. So with that in mind, I'm gonna give it and this is high, I'm giving it a one. <laughs> and I feel like this I feel like that's generous. My MVP of the night. <laughs> um I'm gonna give it to Cup with to Caval because he does some interesting kicks. That's it. And that will also be weirdly, and this, oh God, my match of the night's a match involving Dolph Ziggler. Oh, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler versus Caval. That says it all. That says it all. Yeah. That's how, that's how far, it makes me hurt how far we done fallen, to quote a Bunk from The Wire. I see. I, I wonder why you worded it so strangely. This is horrendous, this show. And I was really wrestling with, well, I'm still not really sure what rating I'm going to give it. So the MVP is the spit on yep. Wade Barrett's face. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> if he would have stayed in the match, it would have been MVP because he woke the crowd up. But they, like I said, they did WWF. They bombed him out because the crowd like him. No, come on, mate, get out. Actually, no. You know what I'm going to give the MVP to? Scrap that. Sorry, spit. Um, The seamstress <laughs> who made the face team's garments all the same colour for the Survivor mm-hmm. Series match, which is my match of the night because it was legitimately the only match I gave half a toss about. Yeah. Do you know what? You're right, old man. That's a better match of the night. And I, I can't yeah. bring myself to have Dolph Ziggler being in my last <laughs> night thinking, give me the Survivor Series. Your old man's right. That's fair. That's fair. So we've got an absolutely horrendous main event. I think this is worse than Undertaker King, because I think, like I kind of alluded to in my summing up in the main event, they ain't got it in the bank, these guys, for me. I like Orton, but I also know 2010 Orton, and he was kind of turned face because he was with Legacy, and then he's a face, everyone's like, oh, I don't like him as a face, he's crap. Wade Barrett just isn't isn't experienced enough at this point. The rest of his crap, Edge and Kane is horrendous. The first three matches are terrible, the tag match is crap. The Divas get basically half a dump from me in terms of time. This is getting a two, and I, I, I think it's very generous, but 
I did enjoy the elimination match. And I would, if I were, if someone had a gun, I'd go back and watch that again. And if someone had a little stick that they were going to hit me with, I'd probably still watch it again. Probably not by choice, but if me too. I can't believe how bad it is, boys. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you my rating out of 10 first, which is also two, which makes this the worst show we've ever watched. Unbelievable. On average yes. rating. That's and astonishing. So my ratings are two, and I rated sold out a one. And I feel bad for that show almost because i feel like it can't possibly have been worse than this but i i kind of have to stick with it interestingly tom though you rated sold out three so overall that's why this this falls so low so it is now the worst show officially we've covered so far tom's very happy about that it's probably the most um positive he's been all day do you know i'm i'm glad admittedly i've I've rated it worse than both of you but i'm glad there's solidarity there yeah, yes. and I, I think what's important for me to say, Tom, is that my rating doesn't come from a place of I hate everything post-2010 or whatever, which I think sometimes you go into these shows oh. with, that, <laughs> with that attitude. It just is a bad show. It's just a bad show. There's not a lot of good on here. There are The opening three matches are, in my opinion, very, very adequate, but they are just <laughs> adequate, and that's it. The best match of the night is definitely the Survivor Series match. Then after that, the whole thing is utter dross. The women's match, shit. The tag team match, shit. The Edge Kane match, boring as fuck. Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton, even more boring. And with John Cena as the referee being sad all over the thing. It's just very bad. The last four matches are awful. The first four matches are okay. If those second four matches had been really, really good matches, this would have been an excellent show, in my opinion, because this first four matches, the first three, okay, I know you guys weren't up on them. I thought they were fine. But it's the difference between... If they're followed up by something really good, then the whole show's great because you don't it doesn't matter what those first three are. But if they're followed up by something not very good, they really then bring the whole thing down a lot because there's nothing to redeem it. My MVP I've given to Jack Swagger because I liked some of the stuff he did in the Survivor Series match. But overall, it wasn't it was very, very difficult to pick one. And it's good to see that, old man, you have picked the seamstress of the babyface's attire in that match because that means that that joins the illustrious company of sad bloke in the crowd from <laughs> WWE, uh, from, sorry, from WWE Elimination Chamber 2015, um, JBL's hat, uh, <laughs> Tommy, Dreamer's, Tommy Dreamer's trousers, El Gigante's agent, <laughs> sunglass, sunglass salesman on the beach and Bash at the Beach in 1995, Doc Hendricks's hair, Tony Schiavone's stopwatch, <laughs> <laughs> Earl Hebner's work shirt, the man, <laughs> the man with the Samoa Joe sign, Tyler Breeze's selfie stick, Jesse Ventura's hair thing, <laughs> the velvet bag that contained the <laughs> the crowd, <laughs> the crowd member who can't do Alex. <laughs> <laughs> crowd member <laughs> oh, the crowd member who can't do Alex Wright's dance Shawn Michaels hair as well are all MVPs and that has joined that illustrious, that, that illustrious company oh, God. No, I'm right they are oh, beautiful so, do you know what? it's a shame it's a shame that we didn't start the MVP right from the beginning because yeah. we could have had some gold as well, some more gold in there. 
well, there's plenty there, so, oh. so we don't we needn't worry. <laughs> so after all that joviality, just to pick things up after the uh, the raging shit that that show was, um, it's now time for the game. And old oh man, let's hope you've remembered because it is your oh, turn. I have remembered, and I've got a doozy for you. So there are 127 consequences. Oh, Fucking hell! And this is. Not, Didn't need another bigger notebook. I think this will be in both of your wheelhouses, to be honest, mostly. So I am looking for surviving members of Survivor Series teams. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a minute because, <laughs> this, because this is Mama. And I don't, want, I don't want you to do a me and say like, the first thing that goes, oh, Bert uh, Bacharach. <laughs> oh, hang on! I, I'll just have to cross him off. <laughs> I'm expecting uh, I'm expecting Tom to come out with Scott Steiner at some point. No, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's one of his standard answers. Right, come on then. Here we go then. Let's um, let's go Tommy Steiner first. Uh, Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase. Correct. Oh, I know what one you're thinking of there. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Correct. Um, Ray Mysterio. Raymond. Correct. If I can find him. Correct. Big Show. Wow. It is the Big Show. Correct. Is that something I noticed in this one as well? Because obviously we've heard the Big Show's music many a time. But I like the because it's the Big Show. Oh. <laughs> um, Brett, the Hitman Heart. Brett Hart. So good they named him once. Correct. Um, Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. Correct. Um, Triple H. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Correct. Um, Jerry Lawler. Big Jerry Lawler. Correct. Sleazy. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> Correct. Queasy. Queasy. Correct. Cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> Just like yeah. Dane Barra's knob. Correct. <laughs> Getting the big hitters first. Um, bam, bam, Bigelow. Bam, bam. Correct. Uh, Razor Ramon. Correct. Um, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy. Correct. Um, the Undertaker. The Underpanzer. Correct. Um, Keith Hart. Oh, that's beautiful. It, mate. Bruce Fantastic Hart. stuff. Oh, beautiful. Well done, lads. I was hoping you'd get a heart plan. <laughs> Lex Luger. Lex and his Express. Correct. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawnee Mikes. Correct. I don't like this now. I'm, I'm actually quite nervous about this. Um, oh, um, I feel I feel very nervous. Mabel. Correct. Um, the Warlord. Warlord. Correct. Yes. Uh, Rick Martel. Rick Martel. Correct. Uh, CM Punk. Correct. Paul Roma. Paul Roma. Here we go. He's back in the game here. Correct. Um, Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy. Hardy. Correct. Hercules. Hercules. Jerkules, more like. Correct. Jeff Harvey. Hardy. <laughs> Correct. Okay. I'm not sure about this, but Mo. They were on a mission. 
Because they both survived. Uh, Bushwhacker Luke. Oh, beautiful. Correct. Well, I'll take Butch then. So the first time you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Axe. I fucked myself there. I know. You I'm have. I know. I fucked myself there. You know what, boys? We're having such a good time. Let's have lives. Uh, I'll go next then. Randy Savage. Randy Savage. Correct. Um, the Barbarian. The Barbarian, which I wrote earlier when I was typing this up. Corrected. Correct. Andre the Giant. Andre Gigante. Correct. How many lives are we getting? Three. Yeah, why not, eh? Let's study live. Soul survivors. Uh, Randy Orton. Randall Keith. Ortonio. Correct. Randall Keith Ortonio. <laughs> yeah. That's his full name, Oh, I never I never realised. <laughs> Fuck. Um hmm. Vader. That is negative. Mm. Oh, that's tough. Honky Tonk Man. That is incorrect. No. So Tom's lost two lives. Tinky's lost one. Um, Jim Neidhart. Jim the Anvil. Incorrect. Oh, hello. Oh, oh this is a big go, miss. Uh, British Bulldog. British Bullshit. Uh, correct. Where is he? Under the. Cool. Dolph Ziggler. Well, one of the greats. He was always going to be there, wasn't he? Uh, Dynamite Kid. Unfortunately not. Wow. So that's your life. So if Tinky gets one, he's bloody one. Okay, I'm guessing here, because my mind has just gone with this. Uh, I am going to go for Batista. It's a good show. No, it's not. Oh, my God. We continue in sudden death. Um, uh, John Cena. How have have we not said this? Yeah, (laughs) that's correct. Okay, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, he reigns supreme. Correct. Um, See, this is the problem with the the more recent people, though. Mm So I don't know if they would have been in a Survivor Series match or not, or if they'd be for the title. Um, And with that in mind, I'm not going to go for a really modern person. I'm going to go for Daniel Bryan. (laughs) (laughs) That is incorrect. Oh, okay. I'm desperately trying to think of some fucking people that were in something once. Um, okay. I can't. Oh, it's ridiculous. Okay. Um, fuck it. Seth Rollins. Incorrect. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, boys. This is an outstanding effort. Kind uh, of. Uh, El Grande Jefe Hermano. Big boss man. He was too busy in Cobb County, Georgia. Unfortunately. Okay, Hawk. Correct. Yes. What well I'm thinking. I so, needed I needed you to say that, Big Boss Man, because I didn't know whether he survived or the Legion of Doom survived in a match that they had with mm. some others. Mm-hmm. So I'd just have a quick look down to see if there's any absolute rotters that you missed. In fairness, uh, there's the rock, but that was I can't remember when that was. There was pre The Rock Rock. Oh, no, there was Rocky Maivia and The Rock. Uh, Nobs and Sags. Mm. Sags Saggy Nobs. Yeah. Yeah. Old Phil Lafon. Mm. Jim Brunzel. Brian B. Blair. <laughs> you missed uh, You missed two. So there's a match. I can't remember the year. But the two survivors on the winning team, Mark Henry and Val Venus. Oh, my wow. God. So I want to give a shout out because I got this 
from a website. I did not compile that information. So there's a website, darrenswinloss.wordpress.com, which is where I got that. I feel like I have to give them a shout out because it is a fantastic resource for lots of wrestling statistics and facts. So thank you very much, Darren. I assume that's your name. <laughs> well, well, you you wait till we uh, we mine that for the, for some stuff for the game coming up. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll be honest. That's why I was a little bit hesitant to give the shout out, but. I knew I wanted to do this and I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going through a list. because so I found the Wikipedia information and I was like, I ain't doing that. I'm a busy man. I got tossed off to do. <laughs> so that was a, that was an awesome game. Uh, epic game. Very good. I, I, I think Tom will agree. Um, so old man, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. You've always did yourselves proud. And like the shit houses who book this show, but don't worry about the show. Just worry about us. And remember, Kemp Terror. And Tom, thank you for your contributions as well. Thank you very much. It was a bit of a rough, rough show. I need you boys to, to drag me through it, which I feel like you did. But to quote D Ream, things can only get better. Indeed. We have been the Random Wrestling Review. We will be back again next week with our concluding part of our trio of Survivor Series Woo! episodes. But until then, take care. <laughs>